Hi, I'm David Finnegan. I'm a writer, theatre artist and game designer who works with research scientists. This is a monthly audio series about how art and storytelling meets the world of complex systems, earth science and planetary transformation. In late 2021, I was living in the shipping port of Williamstown in the west reaches of Melbourne. Every day in lockdown, we would walk down to the water's edge to watch the oil tankers fill up in the container port down by Stony Backwash Creek. One night, a storm came, and in the morning, the water had come up all the way to the level of the pier. Salt water spread over the grass and all the way to the road, where cars were splashing through, spraying up huge sheets of water over the dog walkers. For 48 hours, travel to Melbourne City was almost impossible, as floods cut off major roadways, GPS maps struggled to send people in any direction, rerouting almost at random. So Melbourne is flat. Across the road from Williamstown Pier, the houses begin and they run back for kilometres with barely a rise. In that moment, you could easily see how another storm surge, just another 50 centimetres, would bring the water right into people's houses, spill over the doorsteps and flood the ground floors. Two generations from now, Williamstown will be gone. Not sunk underwater, nothing so dramatic, just flooded regularly enough that the streets are no longer passable, that the houses are no longer livable. Teenagers will come and party in the derelict flooded mansions down at the waterline. Storm surges will wash over the old container port. Sea level rise is so innocuous. Few millimetres each year. Sure, it's accelerating, but still, what's a few millimetres? I go down to the beach and I can see the tides flow in and out many metres at a time. How can I be scared of an extra metre or two? Of all the escalating climate shocks we face, sea level rise often feels to me the least scary. Droughts, floods, heat waves, fires, storms, these are the things that keep me up at night. Sea level rise, or ocean expansion as some people describe it, is slow. It's distant, it's not instantly lethal. But zoom out and it's sea level rise that will truly reshape our world. And we've been here before. At the end of the last ice age, the world warmed. The ice caps melted, shrublands replaced tundra, forests replaced shrublands, coastal rivers became estuaries. New rivers started to flow as glacial meltwaters ran out. Starting from around 19,000 years ago, the oceans rose for 13,000 years, around a centimetre a year. That's half a metre in a human lifetime. Hills turned into islands. Plains flooded. At times, it moved so imperceptibly slowly, you might have thought the flood had stopped. At others, it rose in great bursts and the coast disappeared in front of people's eyes. Across the world, millions of square kilometres of land went underwater. Almost a fifth of all the land on Earth. All those people forced to leave their homes and seek refuge in other countries. Their connection to their land cut off forever. What would that have felt like? This period seems impossibly distant to me, but incredibly, there are stories that take us back to this time. There are over 500 myths about great floods across the planet. 
Now, it's often been suggested that these stories date back to the rising seas at the end of the Ice Age, particularly since, uh, in Australia at least, the stories of floods are associated with the flattest country, the parts of Australia where sea level rise was most severe and impactful. The Gulf of Carpentaria, Echo Island off Arnhem Land, the Bassian Plain, Backstairs Passage in South Australia, the mouth of the Swan River, along the Nullarbor Plain. But until recently, the connection between these stories and the Ice Age was speculation only. And then in the mid-2010s, a group of researchers from the University of New England and the University of the Sunshine Coast set out to test the validity of these stories. They combed through indigenous narratives for tales describing times when the sea was lower than it is today. Where those stories were told, they analysed the contours of the land at the time of the Ice Age. Their conclusion was that these stories are actually high-fidelity descriptions of country that has been sunk under the sea for hundreds of generations. These traditional custodians can point to islands that went underwater 7,000 years ago and tell you their original names. The idea that stories in an oral culture could survive thousands of years unchanged is astonishing to me. But for people studying indigenous storytelling, it's less surprising. Noongar scholar Cassie Lynch explains, in Aboriginal culture, these stories are only told by specific community members. They're not remixed or reimagined like you might see with Greek or Roman or Norse myths. They've survived because they're always told in the same contexts by the same people in the same way. So these stories take us back to a time when our ancestors, like us today, are looking out over the ocean and wondering how much farther it will rise. Whether their own graves will go underwater, like the graves of their parents did and their grandparents before them. Whether the mountain rising overhead will become a peninsula or an island or go underwater completely. At some point you have to decide whether to stay or to go. Now, Scott Kane's first footprints shares a story from this period, from the southeast of Australia. Between Victoria and Tasmania were the grasslands known as the Bassian Plain. As the seas closed in, people retreated to higher ground. On the high hills of what is now Hunter Island, archaeologists have found a hearth in Cave Bay that is 15,400 years old. People were still living there as the seas rose around them. The hearth shows signs of intensified occupation as more people were crammed into smaller country. The grasslands were becoming a shrinking peninsula. 6,600 years ago, the hearth was abandoned. A hundred years later, the peninsula was cut off by the sea and became an island. The people left just in time. To the east, people lived in the uplands of what is now Flinders Island. As the island was cut off from the mainland 9,000 years ago, a population remained there. They survived for several millennia, but as the island shrank still farther, they may have been trapped without enough water to sustain them. It's unclear what happened, but after 2,000 years, the population vanishes from the archaeological record. So we've been here before. We are all the descendants of people who lived through that massive cataclysm. Our great-great-grandparents saw the seas rise. 
They saw the world they knew go underwater and they survived. But they didn't just survive. They became something new. In order for a huge number of people to coexist on a much smaller amount of land, people had to change the way they lived. They created new laws and rituals and protocols to navigate the inevitable challenges and tensions. And the stories that exist from those times are still there for us to learn from. For those of us who come from cultures that have lost this knowledge, we need to pay attention to those who've kept it. Now, the scale and speed of climate change we're facing now is something new. We can't go back to the past. We shouldn't try. These indigenous stories of sea level rise are not a template for our future, and they don't tell us how we should live today. But they are a part of our toolkit, and we need to learn what they teach us and build on it. Because we need every possible solution up our sleeve for what comes next. What kind of rules and institutions will we need in a world where one-fifth of the global population have lost their homes due to rising seas? What will our social lives look like in a world of denser populations in smaller spaces? What new ceremonies and protocols will help us navigate this new existence? Just like our ancestors 10,000 years ago, we are in the process of becoming something new. The rituals and laws that humanity creates in response to these massive shocks will become the foundation for human society going forward. How we navigate the next few decades will be the baseline for our new world. Our every move is the new tradition. So when we see the tide come up over the road and the salt water wash into the garden, we can see out of the corner of our eyes the very first glimpse of the creature we are going to become. Mm -hmm.